Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being here with me today. It is Wednesday, April the 22nd. Got a good show lined up today. It is Earth Day today. At the end of the show, we'll be joined by Leslie Nielsen with Nature Conservancy Canada to talk about how positive, you know, the pandemic has been when it comes to the environment. Of course, a lot of bad news is coming out of this whole COVID-19 situation, but there are some positives to it as well. So I'll be talking a little bit more about those good news stories towards the end of this hour. And coming up in about 15 minutes, I'll be joined by the city's finance director to get a little more detail on some budget decisions that were made by council yesterday. But... To begin today's show, councillors, as I was mentioning, have cut out a number of projects from this year's budget to balance the books, making up for revenue losses from the COVID-19 pandemic. There was more than $7.2 million in spending cuts. I'm joined on the line now by the mayor of Kamloops, Ken Christian. Mayor Christian, thanks so much. How are you doing here today? Very good, Jeff. Good. So I just want to start by getting sort of an overall sense of how you feel the city is doing when it comes to both council and city staff about the work they're doing to make these adjustments in a pretty rapid shift. We talked briefly about it last week, how, you know, you're basically taking 10 months of work and now making that into four. I mean, are you happy with the effort that's taken place so far? Yeah, you know, uh, I think all of council commended the chief financial officer yesterday for uh, the diligence that her and her staff put into uh, this uh, particular report. And, you know, there are a lot of unknowns, and uh, Kathy Humphrey admit, admitted that. And then there's a lot of rules that change, even as recently as last Thursday when uh, the government changed rules about uh, tax deferral and, and uh, that kind of thing. We had to uh, adjust the report uh, again. So, you know, and I suspect in the coming uh, weeks and months that there will be additional things that will impact our budget, but uh, uh, the finance department is alive to those issues and they will bring those back to council for decisions as they are warranted. Now, there were more than 25 budget items that were a part of the, the deferral process here. I mean, was there anything in particular that when you kind of look through the list that maybe was a little bit harder for you to, to push off for a year? Was there any particular projects that maybe were a little bit closer to you that you were maybe disappointed to not go ahead here in 2020? Obviously, the, the need is there to push things off, but, you, you know, the disappointment is still allowed to exist. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I said at the outset yesterday uh, to all of council that, you know, we all have had uh, projects and things that we uh, champion, uh, and, and in normal times, that's exactly what you're expected to do as an elected uh, councillor or a mayor. And, you know, Councillor Singh has a passion for all things environmental and, and the climate action strategy, and and uh, certainly uh, Councillor Hunter has a, a keen interest in uh, disability access and those kinds of things. For me, uh, you know, I was really pained to see the fact that we are going to defer the hiring of a crime analyst. Uh, I believe in evidence-based policing, and a crime analyst is one of the ways that you do that, but uh, we just aren't going to be able to do that now. The other project that was near and dear to my heart is the uh, completion of the uh, streetscaping on Victoria Street. Uh, it's been something we've talked about for a long time, expanding that from 5th uh, to 6th 
uh, to 7th and down to Memorial Arena eventually, but uh, that has to be deferred, as did a whole list of other projects that were equally important to all of the other councillors and to members of the community, uh, people who have lobbied uh, long and hard for some of these initiatives and we're just uh, not in a position to be able to deliver on them right now. Now, with the, the deferrals that are being put into place this year, and, you know, Finance Director Kathy Humphrey will be on later in the show today, uh, she actually, you know, was saying, you know, this isn't going to have uh, an impact on future budgets in the sense that 2020 projects will be done in 2021, and 2021 projects will now be done in 2022, etc. But do you have any concerns um, about, you know, when you're looking at renewing infrastructure and building new infrastructure, I mean, there was probably a, a plan in place for when these projects were set to take place, right? You had a specific time frame in mind for when you wanted to see work get done. Do you have any concerns about, uh, you know, maybe that this term of council now won't be able to get done everything that it was hoping to during its four-year span? Well, yeah, and the, the biggest one is the Center for the Arts, obviously. But, uh, you know, I think uh, there's a, a risk that you take when you defer uh, some of the uh, maintenance issues on uh, capital assets that you have. So you're not going to replace the lift station this year. You're going to push that down the road. That's a, a good decision if you have to save money in the short term. But if that lift station fails in the interim, then you have a huge problem. If that pool leaks... If that, uh, you know, uh, water main blows up, those kinds of things can become quite catastrophic. And that's why we have an asset management plan in place. It's not because we like to spend money. It's because we are prudent about the, uh, you know, maintenance of the assets that have been entrusted to us. Uh, I assume, too, there's a lot of challenges about what you even know you'll be able to, to do with some of the money that, may or may not be coming in, right? I know uh, there was about $5 million worth of spending that would have been used uh, for grant revenues that, you know, just won't be coming in as a result of COVID-19. Um, so, I mean, I guess some of this is just forcing your hand, not just because of COVID-19 and the fact that it's having an impact on the city's direct budget, but obviously it's impacting our senior governments as well, and they're not able to, you know, give out those those grants as maybe they normally would have. So probably some disappointment as well, just in the in the in maybe the, the, the projects you would desire to get done, uh, just no longer have the funds to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and you know, that was one of the unknowns yesterday that we talked about. Uh, the first one is the uh, gaming fund, and, and that uh, really is predicated on the success of the two casinos that operate in Camels. Well, right now, obviously, they're closed, but what happens when they reopen? Do people go back to uh, using those facilities the way they did prior to COVID-19? Uh, and uh, do those facilities have to cut in half the number of slot machines they have the number of tables they have to comply with physical distancing rules and do the customers still have the uh, disposable income that they had uh, prior to this happening to actually go out and gamble so those are things that are unknowns and as such uh, our staff have taken a conservative approach in terms of what we might reasonably expect from gaming funds in uh, 2021 and beyond uh, the other one, of course, is the Community Works Fund, which is essentially a gas tax. And uh, as we've seen certainly this week, uh, uh, the oil uh, 
industry is in crisis and uh, there's a problem with uh, oversupply and uh, under capacity for storage but the biggest problem is people aren't driving or flying and so as a result of that uh, they're not buying as much gas and when a lot of the community works funds are predicated on gas uh, then that becomes a problem uh, for municipalities that rely on those so again our finance department uh, took uh, you know their best guess at what that uh, might look like going forward and again it's exactly that so that uh, we're hopeful that uh, the numbers that they have shown in the budget projections will be realized but if they're not we're going to have to go back with a sharper pencil and continue to cut uh, I'll get you out of here on this one, Ken, because I just wanted to ask specifically about taxes, and I know we're going to get a little bit more into this next week at next week's meeting, um, but uh, Council was able to uh, drop the tax increase by 0.68%. It was sitting at uh, 2.97, and I know you were pretty happy to see that figure come in at under 3% initially. Uh, now it's cut to uh, 2.29%. I guess I just, what are your, your thoughts on that figure? Is that enough for taxpayers during this time? Is that a palatable number for you uh, as we go through this crisis? Yeah, you know, and as I've, I've said before, I think that that's a, a prudent decision to try to, uh, you know, uh, keep uh, the budget intact and still, uh, you know, give some relief to taxpayers. The bigger problem uh, for some taxpayers is going to be whether or not they can pay their taxes at all rather than they can they afford to pay the difference. So uh, those are things that are of concern to us. And, and uh, what uh, we mentioned yesterday, Councillor Singh raised it, was... Uh, you know, those that can pay, uh, we really need you to pay because your payment uh, is going to help our cash flow situation in terms of paying firefighters and police and, and bylaws and the kinds of employees that we value in the city. Without the taxes coming in, then there's no way that we will meet payroll. So those kinds of things are uh, really important for those that haven't had the financial crisis and those that have been experiencing uh, some hardship. Uh, hopefully the uh, Canadian emergency relief benefit that has been put in place by the federal government should give them uh, some uh, capacity to pay uh, their taxes. So that's what we're hoping. And, uh, you know, the uh, July term, we'll see how that plays out. Right on. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Ken. Always appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get a chance to catch up again next week after uh, Tuesday's meeting. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Very good. That was Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian, and, and one conversation that uh, was had yesterday that Ken and I didn't touch on there uh, was in regards to the Canada Games pool. That $13.5 million project was looked at at a possibility to defer. Councillor Michael Riley had brought up the subject, which was eventually voted down 7-2, to so that work will be going ahead as planned here this year. O'Reilly did speak to the decision here this morning on the NL Morning News. I, I'm just a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, more conservative with, with spending the money in, in a time of, uh, you know, not being sure. As I said, you know, over and over, I said I 110% uh, support the project. Uh, I was just hoping to maybe defer it a year uh, to see what our new reality is going to be. Um, but at the end of the day, we are we are a council team, and and my vote and the mayor's vote were only one. And uh, you know, the majority of council didn't feel that way, and and they felt comfortable enough starting this project. Um, and and their big reason was, you know. Well, the pool's closed already, 
And so why don't we start it now while the pool's closed so it has less inconvenience uh, for the users if we were to wait another year and have to close it again for another six to nine months. And so I completely get the rationale. And uh, But for me, I just uh, I just wasn't comfortable moving ahead with spending the money. But again, seven councillors were, so that's more than okay. Yeah, so Councillor O'Reilly and, and the Mayor Ken Christian himself were the only two to vote for deferring that project. The other seven members of council all voted to see that work continue here this this year. So that $13.5 million renovation project will be going ahead and i totally get both sides of that debate saving the money very critical right now uh but the pool is already closed and doing the work now means you know when things do open up there will be less disruptions to the pool facility you can avoid some revenues that would uh, be lost as a result of the pool being closed for more a more extended period of time so i get uh why council decided it was good to go ahead with that project here this year. Well, let's take a little bit of a quick break here, and I'll be continuing on with the discussion around city budgeting. I'll be joined by the city's finance director after this, so please stick around. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show. Thanks for tuning in here with me today. It is Wednesday, April the 22nd. I'm joined on the phone now by the Kamloops Director of Finance, Kathy Humphrey. Kathy, thanks so much for uh, taking the time here today. Hi, Jeff. So I wanted just to start by, uh, you know, getting sort of an overall sense of, of what you have been up to here over these last little last few weeks. I mean, a lot of work has gone into revamping the 2020 Kamloops budget over the past few weeks. Weeks. I mean, we spent several months. Uh, Ken Christian earlier today was basically saying, you know, it takes about 10 months to put together a budget document. And now over the last, you know, three, four weeks, you basically had to go about and redo the whole thing. I mean, how challenging was it for you to go through that process? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been unprecedented, I think, as everybody keeps saying. I mean, my team's done a fantastic job, and uh, we've had to sort of reevaluate changing information and um, you know, reduce revenues that normally are secured, and then you know go through and calculate the offsetting expenditures and you know try and balance the budget. There's um, a lot of unknowns, and as I said yesterday, um, I'm sure that we didn't get some of this right, and we will continue to adjust it as we go. Yeah, and that sort of takes me to my next point here. I was going to say, you know, anticipated changes in revenue expectations due to COVID-19. Um, a revenue shortfall here this year in the range of 7 to $12 million. I mean, that's a, a pretty significant range that we're talking about. $5 million is, a, you know, a pretty big gap in terms of what potentially could happen. So with that in mind, I mean, was the work done yesterday enough or is it just too hard to tell right now? I mean, I think we have planned for, um, we planned, council agreed to plan for the long range. So in terms of having this happen until um, potentially into September. So we plan for the loss of $12 million. I mean, I'm hopeful that the community can sort of get back to some semblance of normal before that. And, and maybe things won't be as bad as we projected, but I think we're prepared if they are. Okay, so plan for the worst case scenario and then obviously hope that doesn't come about. It makes sense when a planning perspective for sure. Now, uh, when, when talking about future budgets too, I mean, you spoke a little bit about this yesterday and how this could potentially have a bit of a ripple effect here moving forward. Um, what, what is your message, I guess, when it comes to how we're going to be going out about budgeting in 2021 and 2022 with the 2020 work now sort of being pushed off into the next year? How does that impact what the plan was for uh, for, for these future budgets? I mean, how does, what, how does this change the way you approach those documents now? 
Um, I think that the key is to, you know, obviously be flexible and, um, you know, people need to understand that if uh, they thought something was going to happen in 2020 or 2021, um, it may have to be pushed out um, a couple years or a year later. We're trying to balance, um, you know, the economic situation for everyone and not um, try to do more than than we can afford. So we will um, have to take a look realistically at what the revenues are coming in. Do they bounce back to 2019 levels or are we sort of at a new normal? where we're gradually increasing. We'll have to sort of do a reassessment of uh, pretty much everything in the budget going forward next year. Now, there was about 25 projects, I believe, that were deferred yesterday. Um, I guess when, when you're, I'm assuming this, this conversation is going to be coming up pretty regularly uh, at council meetings here throughout the course of the next, well, really until probably the next full year. So when looking at things that were already deferred, I mean, is there a possibility for some of these things to, to be put back into motion here sooner than later, depending on what happens? I mean, you mentioned, you know, you basically plan for the $12 million in revenue losses. There is that possibility that it is quite a bit less than that. That. So if that were to happen, best case scenario, does some of this work to eventually move ahead uh, maybe quicker than, than is being planned for right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the um, projections we made, we really made with um, very little um, confirmed information. We were just taking our best guess from, you know, what we're reading in the media, what we're hearing from, you know, various people. So uh, we, you know, went really conservative, like I said, on the loss planning for the worst. And um, I'm hopeful that some of the, particularly the um, Community Works Fund, that we plan to have a significant shortfall in that fund. I'm hoping that the, the government steps forward and doesn't um, actually um, reduce that fund, which would mean many of those projects, particularly the active transportation projects, might be able to go forward. Okay, well, I know there's, uh, I'm sure, a lot of people who are, uh, especially in these times, where we're all sitting inside trying to get out as much as possible on those uh, on those trails, on those bike paths, et cetera, who would be uh, more than welcoming uh, some additions here in the city to those, those, uh, those um, you know, trails and, and such. Projects, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, getting a little bit of a loss for words here. Now, I did want to ask a little bit about uh, reserve funds as well, because the General Reserve here in Kamloops has about $14 million in it. You did give us a nice uh, review of what was in the reserves back in February, and uh, Council did also approve the ability to borrow up to $15 million if necessary. I mean, can you maybe explain um, why there was a need to pass that particular bylaw uh, to be able to essentially, I guess, take out a line of credit, if you will, when there are some pretty healthy wells to draw from here in Kamloops. Yeah, well, um, really the, the borrowing line of credit is really to address um, cash flow at more than um, the reserves. So as you can imagine, some of our reserves are um, are earmarked for specific things, and we may not want to um, use them for um, purposes other than what we had planned for. And, you know, in worst case scenario, if we end up with a lot of people who potentially are unable to pay their taxes or people who are unable to um, pay certain bills that are coming from the city, we may end up with a little bit of a cash flow shortage as people delay the timing of payments coming into the city. So that primarily was the purpose for the um, potential borrowing bylaw that council passed. Okay, so uh, with that being said, I guess, so the reserve funds are essentially, from, from what I'm gathering from what you just said there, is it's almost like a, a last resort. If, if you needed to take some money from somewhere that you're just trying to make up a shortfall, you could go into reserves, but you do have that earmarked for specific purposes. So you would try to avoid using that at, at, at all costs if, if possible. 
Yeah, and the reserves can be used if council um, wanted to go ahead with a specific project that maybe was deferred or if something comes up that wasn't in our plan. I mean, every year we set the budget and there's numerous projects that come up. You know, like you mentioned, we passed the budget um, preliminarily back in December and, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities or um, things that come up that the community or council wants to do and we use reserves to fund those projects. So, you know, if we have uh, flooding and we need some emergency funds to repair or replace some things in advance of the province, you know, reimbursing us back. If there's an opportunity or a need in the community due to COVID and some of our social crisis or anything like that, our reserves are there mostly to cover those sorts of things. Yeah, it makes sense. I remember uh, back in February, I believe it was, that uh, Councillor Walsh had made the proposal to to try to use some of the reserve money to bring down the the tax increase, and that was uh, not looked about very favorably around the council table. So I I understand why there is, um, you know, some concerns around drawing from those when you don't necessarily need to. Uh, Kathy, I'll get you out of here on this. There is another meeting here set for next week, and I believe there's going to be more discussion around, you know, setting the tax rates and making sure that, um, you know, those are all ready to go before tax bills are sent out. I know you said to me uh, before we jumped on air here that yesterday was sort of the big one for you in terms of, uh, you know, how, how you had to go through the budget and make a big whole bunch of changes and proposals that council could then discuss and debate and, and you know, that kind of work that uh, is all is all now done. Uh, what, what can we expect here next week just for taxpayers? Because I know there is co- probably some anticipation from homeowners out there waiting to see exactly what their tax bill is going to look like. Yeah, so now that we have the actual tax amount that we um, are going to collect, it's just over $114 million, um, we will then take the information we have from BC Assessment and calculate out what the mill rate is going to be for each person. So then um, individual taxpayers will be able to um, look at their assessment um, information from BC Assessment and calculate out what their um, individual increase or decrease or stay the same is um, on their tax bill. And then in addition, we're presenting council with some options in terms of um, flexibility to um, uh, balance cash flows for the city in terms of um, us getting money in that we need to continue our essential services and potentially provide um, some relief to people who may not be able to pay their bills on time. Perfect. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate you taking the time. I'm happy to hear that, uh, you know, maybe all the hard work for you is, um, well, it's not all gone, I'm sure, but uh, (laughs) at least a little bit of it is done for now. So thanks so much for uh, filling us in. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. That was uh, the finance director here for the city of Kamloops, Kathy Humphrey. So, uh, yeah, definitely some some interesting stuff going on when it comes to our budget. That process, I believe, is far from done. It's going to be a a bit of a rolling situation as we find out more information. What's going to be coming from senior governments? That'll have an impact on what we're available to do, what funds are available for the city to go out and spend. Um, So many unknowns here, of course, as we go through this pandemic. You basically, like Kathy was saying, go and plan for a worst case scenario and then hope it uh, doesn't uh, roll out exactly like that but you got to plan for the worst and hope for the best and it sounds like that's what our city finance team has done here so far and I'm sure we'll be getting more and more updates as this goes along and and, uh, yeah we'll get more information in terms of that tax rate here next week and uh, I'm sure Ken hopefully Christian the the mayor of Kamloops will be back on with me uh, I don't think he's missed a meeting yet after every council meeting he's been on with me uh, except for once since I've been here and started this show back in the summer. So I'm pretty confident that uh, I'll be able to have another chat with him about what's going on with your taxes here next week. Well, let's take a little break here. And uh, today, of course, is... it's uh, what, what day is it today? It is an environmental day. It is Earth Day. 
Yeah, not environmental day, Earth Day. I'm going to be talking about Earth Day after the break, so stick around. I mean, we all got negative stories to talk about when it comes to COVID-19, but the environment, well... When it comes to the environment, it sure seems pretty happy with us spending less time outside, using less fossil fuels, etc. We'll get into all of that with Nature Conservancy Canada after this, so please stick around. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Wednesday. Today is Earth Day, an annual event celebrated around the world here on April 22nd to demonstrate support for environmental protection. I'm joined on the line now by Leslie Nielsen, who's with Nature Conservancy Canada. Leslie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as we go through this pandemic, there are a number of issues that we deal with when it comes to things like the economy and our healthcare system. And, you know, there's a lot of negativity around those subjects when it comes to how this pandemic is impacting those sectors. But people, you know, are staying home and not being as active. And it is having a bit of a positive impact on the environment. So what kind of highlights do you have when it comes to this good news for the planet? I mean, just from the general sense, I mean, as we look to celebrate Earth Day, uh, this has been a good thing when it comes to the environmental impacts that uh, humans are putting out here on, on our planet. Absolutely. We've been, you know, hearing reports about lower pollution levels and um, things like that. Another um, another thing we can think about are um, with fewer cars traveling, the, especially country roads and rural roads, all those um, creatures like the turtles and frogs and snakes that are cr- crossing the road this time of year are less likely to uh, uh, run into trouble with the, with the cars. Um, so there's there's certainly a lessening of the the impact when we're we're sticking close to home. Um, so that that can be that can be a good a good thing to think about while we're. Uh, sitting in our houses yeah definitely some good news for wildlife i mean you mentioned the impact uh, just from vehicle collisions alone i mean less vehicles on the road uh, obviously left coll- less collisions with wildlife in general so that's a good thing for those particular species that would be at risk for those kinds of things to to happen um as you go through the release that you guys have put out in regards to earth day there were a couple of specifics um that, that was talked about here one of the things that was mentioned was in regards to turtles um so i wanted to get your your maybe to expand a little bit on this and just What's going on for the endangered turtle populations in several provinces? Um, I, I don't know if that's the case in BC. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a, a buff when it comes to BC wildlife, so I don't know how big of an impact that is here. But I just wanted to ask a little bit about turtles here specifically. Well, um, here in BC, uh, the, I know we pay a lot of attention to the western painted turtle, um, which is a, a, a species that can be found on a number of our conservation areas um, in the southern interior there. Um, I'm afraid I can't speak uh, directly to, uh, say, the turtles in Quebec and Ontario, where I know they have a big focus as well. Um, but any of any of the the creatures that are are out there uh, on the landscape, they uh, they need to have the room and the space to to live out their lives, and and so that's what the Nature Conservancy of Canada is really working towards. Was there any particular species or or types of wildlife here in BC that you have noticed or have heard are are having a a, a positive impact as a result of less people out there? And uh, you know, is there any any particular animals that you can maybe highlight here in British Columbia that, uh, you know, are, are seeing good news happen as a result of a pandemic? 
Well, you know, I would love to be able to answer that question, but honestly, um, we won't really know until until we have more time to see okay. see the effects of it. And one of the downsides of, of the pandemic uh, keeping us at home is it does mean that our field staff can't get out onto the land to do the work that they do this time of year, which includes species counts and looking at the wildlife and how they're doing. So maybe a couple months out from now, we'll have that kind of information, but we, we, we need to hope to get out on the land again soon. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's hard to, to collect the data if you're not allowed to actually go out and do those counts. So that makes a whole a lot of sense. I mean, what are the plans right now? Does Nature Conservancy Canada have plans for um, how that kind of work can, can roll out? Or is it really just a, a wait and see? Because we're all waiting to see when these restrictions that have been imposed on us are going to be released or at least lifted uh, even a little bit. I mean, are you kind of waiting for that news before starting to progress with some of these plans? I mean, 340 volunteer events that take place every year by Nature Conservancy Canada. Uh, so quite a bit of work that uh, would normally be done in a year, and I'm assuming there's going to be fewer events as a result, but just how do you go about planning for when those might take place now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of planning work uh, being done right now. And, um, of course, we're following the advice of our public health officials and the governments and looking for guidance um, from those um, bodies to know when, when it's safe to begin moving out um, farther afield. Uh, we do know that we're, um, obviously, the the impact is differs across the country. And so uh, it might mean that in different parts of the country, we're able to get out uh, a little bit sooner. So here in BC, we are, we are hopeful that we might be able to start um, at least having our staff go out and start in on the field work, um, you know, in, in the coming months and not have to wait uh, too long or lose the whole season because, you know, we're, we're talking about removing invasive uh, species or planting um, native species and, of course, those species counts and other kinds of activities. If we can't get to those this year, we're going to have to work twice as hard next year to make sure we don't lose ground. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Well, it sounds like you guys are in for... Um you know, a lot of work here moving forward to to try to find out just exactly what impacts we are seeing as a result of COVID-19 when it comes to our environment. And, uh, you, you know, that hopefully that stuff will be able to take place sooner than later, because I'm very interested to see just how positive this has been for the wildlife and for the planet. And, you know, we can do mm -hmm. some things when measuring greenhouse gas emissions and things along those lines. We can see that now and we can look at those, um, you know, satellite images and just see the difference in the air quality itself. But in terms of the uh, direct impact here on the ground, um, uh, yeah, it might take a little bit longer to see exactly how positive it has been. Uh, Leslie, I'll get you out of here on this. So it is Earth Day here today. I mean, a lot of people, uh, I'm sure, are, you know, gung-ho about the environment. There's a lot of environmentalists out there. How can they go about celebrating? Is there anything that uh, you might be recommending to individuals out there here today to, uh, you know, really have a role in Earth Day? What can the average person do to help celebrate this occasion? Absolutely. Well, you know, we're really encouraging everybody to take this opportunity when a lot of us are slowing down to really learn about and appreciate the nature that is around us. Uh, and so, you know, from just really paying attention to what's happening in your neighborhood to maybe going online, we have all sorts of resources at natureconservancy.ca. There's nature quizzes, there's coloring pages, there's videos. You can even take a virtual hike on a number of our conservation areas all across the country through some Google Trekker um, hikes that we have on there. So there's all sorts of ways this, the computer and the internet is a great tool right now for us to get close to nature while still staying safe at home.
Awesome, Leslie. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and speak to me here today. Really appreciate it. It is Earth Day here today, so a very appropriate day to be talking about some, some positive news for the environment. And hopefully, you know, as some of these volunteer events do start to roll out and take place, maybe we can catch up again here down the line and, and get a better and clearer picture of how things are going here in B.C. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Leslie Nielsen with Nature Conservancy Canada, and she's stationed right here in British Columbia. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. Again, it is Earth Day here today. I know one of the things that I always enjoyed, uh, you know, on a day like this was when there used to be, I don't know if people still do it anywhere anymore, but there used to be a time when people, you know, around 7 o'clock or they'd pick a specific hour, and they'd all turn off their lights, they'd turn off their TVs, and we'd all try to use no power, no electricity, and be um, as serving as possible and the coolest part about it was the way it would open up the night sky you know you don't necessarily get to see the stars for what they're worth when we have all this light pollution going on and it's been a little while since i've seen uh, you know communities gather and band together to to shut off their power and, and really pay attention to what's going on outside uh, i always love going out uh, you know into the wilderness into the mountains and being able to watch the night sky and it's just cool to be able to do that from your deck uh, it's something that is kind of unique but uh, maybe one day we'll get back to that uh, probably not going to be happening here today. And we all need our power more than ever, right? We need to keep ourselves entertained. The only way to do that was, is with electricity, it feels like. All right, well, that about wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. I'll be back here tomorrow at noon.